we could find anybody to do this job, which is true. So what you're saying is you are entirely replaceable. Yes. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Levin, it's Thursday. The 49ers are 8-4. and four. The Bucks are coming into town. And Brock Purdy is the quarterback. Hold up. You said Thursday. You always say Wednesday, and I complain saying, well, I guess, nope, nope, I'm the idiot here. I always say, nope, it's Wednesday night. And you say, no, people listen to it on Thursday. When I put it out. So not only did you derail the intro, <laughs> you were wrong. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, as you know, I am off my game this week. That's true. Got other things, personal life stuff on my mind. So buckle up, listeners. It's going to be a fun one. Oh, <laughs> Levin Garoppolo, the start of the show. We are going to get it. My ankle hurts. <laughs> we're going to get into a lot of things um, because the roller coaster that we have been on this week has taken another turn. It's unbelievable. It just never stops in 49ers land. Uh, so we'll talk about what Kyle Shanahan said about Jimmy Garoppolo's chances to return. I thought Kyle had a really interesting comment on Brock Purdy, a very complimentary comment on Brock Purdy that I'm going to play for you. And then we'll get into some of the Bucks stuff as well. Let's start with the biggest news. Of course, we know Adam Schefter revived the Super Bowl hopes of Niners Nation by saying that Jimmy Garoppolo could possibly, maybe, potentially return in the playoffs in the divisional round and Kyle Shanahan of course was asked about that in his press conference today which we all knew he was going to be here's Kyle's full response and you can tell he wants no part of answering this question it's not a list frank they don't have to do surgery on it um so gonna be a big recovery um but much less than what we anticipated which is awesome news for him in the offseason he'll be good to go right away so it won't be like last year um Really, I mean, there's that way outside chance, you know, late in the playoffs or something like that. But um, it's just an outside chance. I'm not really real optimistic about that, but they didn't rule it out. What a wet blanket. <laughs> you would know. Um, a couple things jumped out to me. One, I was surprised that he just threw cold water on that right away. Like any sort of boost the team got was just immediately taken away. And two, Levin, yet again. It's another instance where you've got a difference between what the Garoppolo camp is saying about a Jimmy injury and what the Niners are saying about a Jimmy injury. And I think it's pretty clear the Garoppolo camp are the ones that gave this news to Schefter because why would the 49ers do that if they were just going to throw cold water on it? So it's just amazing to me that every time Jimmy gets hurt, immediately there's a difference between the two sides. Well, I mean, I think the important factor here which some people were pointing out is that the seven to eight week window you hear is not seven to eight weeks to be ready to play seven to eight weeks until he can put weight and be, start training to get back. So you're really looking at eight, nine, 10 weeks, like an eight to 10 week window right. is the best case scenario. Hey, he's ready to go at six and a half weeks and he gets a week and a half and it didn't take him long to get up to speed because he's still able to throw Right now, just can't use his feet. You know, he can keep his arm warmed up, so to speak. Um, that's the best case scenario is eight weeks, I think. Ten weeks, if takes a couple extra weeks to heal, takes him a little longer to get up to speed. You know, obviously, worst case scenario is truly having a setback. But 
we don't need to get into that because after 10 weeks, uh, he's no longer the Niners. So and 10 weeks, free agent, 10 weeks would be the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. So which means you're not bringing him back and he would be a free agent once he's actually healthy. So that that's my initial reaction to that. But my other one, which I think is a much bigger kind of picture thing is even if he can get back for the NFC championship game, to put it frankly, I don't give a f- <laughs> I don't. Because if you can make it to the NFC championship game with Brock Purdy, then Brock Purdy should remain your quarterback even if Jimmy's fully healthy, period. It's not like Jimmy does anything in the playoffs. So I, I just don't care. Like I don't want a quarterback coming back who hasn't played in three months trying to lead the team or two months trying to lead the team. It, you don't have time to work off the rust. If you have a bad first half, you're probably screwed. It's the NFC Championship game. We don't need any of that. If you got to the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy, then you stick with that quarterback. And remember, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo off a long absence. Remember that Denver game earlier this year? 18 of 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and oh yeah, one hideously bad safety. Apparently, being off from football made Jimmy forget how big the NFL field is. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that I think that the Jimmy thing is less of a possibility. And I think that Kyle kind of revealed something to me in that answer. I think the reason that Jimmy's team leaked that was not really about coming back to play this year. It was about what Kyle said there. It's not going to be like last year. He's going to be ready to go basically a week, two weeks, three weeks after the Super Bowl. I think Don Yee, that was his way to get the message out. And now he's got the team to Mm -hmm. confirm it. That right. attention, 31 other teams, Jimmy's going to be good to go. This isn't like last year. Right. He was playing really well. Like, I think that Ye was protecting Jimmy going forward, which, let's be honest, he has done masterfully throughout this whole saga. Right. So basically, the new league year starts in early March. I don't have the exact date in front of me, but new league year will start in early March. And what he is saying is, Hey, Jimmy will be like a month past this injury at worst. It's not a Liz Frank injury where we've seen some quarterbacks have a drag on and they don't actually end up getting back for three to four months. None of that is a possibility. He's going to be ready to go. So in March, the suitors come get him. What he's saying, because Jimmy, is, I would think he's got to be hoping to be able to get a deal like what he got last time. Because the way the quarterback market has gone, $25 million is not crazy numbers anymore. You know, So him getting a four- or five-year deal at $25 million would seem possible. But if he's still hurt, nobody's giving that to him. Right. And that was the whole Michigas this year, which we all know. By the way, the new league year begins on March 15th. It's a Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time in 2023. So, so on March 8th, he will have a contract agreed to in principle to some team. Probably the New York Jets, perhaps. Who knows? But that's what I think it was about, really. I think it was just covering your bases, which I get. Like, if you're Jimmy's team, that's exactly what you should do. Right. And if you really start to break it down, what Kyle said means it's not even going to be a possibility. This will be out the window the moment the playoffs start. Because what happens is NFL teams have to make their roster for the playoffs. And once they make it, there's no more bringing guys back that weren't on that overall, I, I can't remember if it's 55 now, roster. Like, you can't bring a guy back that wasn't on your larger roster. Not necessarily your active roster, but your larger roster. 
without them being on that. So you you have to basically the Niners are going to be forced with the decision of do we take up a spot there to where if we have injuries elsewhere, we're going to be limited in one spot and be taking a risk where an injury could really screw us or do we not do that and we just punt on the really, really, really small chance that he can make it back at some point, which at that point, I think, yeah, they're going to punt on it. The only way they don't punt on it is if Purdy looks like crap, just looks terrible, and yet they somehow win two more games. <laughs> right. And they get into the playoffs anyway. That's a- if Purdy's looking like complete crap, then, yeah, you're, you're going to be desperate for something. But that's not likely to be the scenario. They only have to go two and three to win ten games the, on right. the season. That probably gets them into the playoffs. I don't know if it wins the West, but ten games will probably get them into the playoffs. In the NFC this year, that, that almost definitely gave you the playoffs. Right. So there's that to consider. There's also, and Kyle didn't have an answer for this when he was asked about it, the IR situation is becoming a little bit of a problem for the Niners. So if for anyone that doesn't know, you can take eight players from injured reserve and return them to active duty, essentially, per season. The 49ers have already used six of those spots. So they have two left for the entire rest of the season. The problem is you've got Elijah Mitchell on injured reserve. You've got Javon Kinlaw on injured reserve. Now, what do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you put him on injured reserve? And then if you want to bring him back, then you've basically eliminated Elijah Mitchell, Javon Kinlaw, or, and I continue to say this is possible, Trey Lance. Right. That, that would be the question that it might get answered really quickly. We might see... You know, four or five weeks from now, Eli Mitchell has his window open and Javon Kinlaw has his window open at some point in that same time frame. And then it's a completely moot point because even if they got fully healthy, neither Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo could be designated for a return. It's over. No more debating. If they activate Mitchell and... If they activate those two. Right. Which I would say there's a decent chance Kinlaw is activated at some point. Really? Hmm. Here's the... I think so. Well, here's the... I think what's happening is... They know he has an issue that's not going to get better. He could play on it, but it's going to be a massive pain tolerance. And what they plan to do is bring him back with a week or two to go, get him ready, and then try to use him in the playoffs. That that's, that's my sense of it. The scary part, though, for the Niners is, given those guys' injury histories, they could immediately get hurt again and be done. And then you've used the IR spot, the activation, for essentially nothing, right? That's the that's the worst case scenario. Oh, Elijah Mitchell's back. Four carries later, done again. And you're like, ah, sh-. I'll say this. If you had to make me bet which one I think is more likely to be activated at some point, Kinlaw or Mitchell, I would vote Kinlaw. Yeah. Because Mitchell is going to be very iffy on getting ready by playoffs. And Jordan Mason has looked plenty good enough in the small part that is needed there. I totally agree. It's not like they need a bell cow. They need somebody to come in and get five to ten carries a game, change it up, have a little bit more power, give McCaffrey a little bit of a rest so that he's not getting so many touches. Like, that's it. And Mason can do that. And even if Mason gets hurt or drops off, they still have Ty Davis Price. So just in terms of like a numbers crunch, Elijah Mitchell may be the easiest person to just say, hey, rest up. You've had two MCL injuries this year, you know, Best of luck next year. You'll be in an open competition, whatever. Now, the risk is you do that, and Mitchell's actually healthy by, say, week one of the playoffs, you know, like, say, after the wild card game, even. He's ready to go, divisional playoffs, completely healthy. 
and you don't activate him and Christian McCaffrey gets injured in the next game because he's injury prone and the NFC championship game, you're going crap. You know, but like <laughs> that's always that's always going to be possible. Right. Um, but that I mean, that's sort of the calculation that the Niners have to make. And I have to say, I don't envy them. That's why, Levin, I still think it's possible. I do not care what they say about Trey Lance. The only thing I care about is, do they have one of those IR spots to use on him? And do they do it? Because they could say till the cows come home, no, 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 slim chance, slim chance, slim chance. You said it earlier. If Brock Purdy stinks and they're just somehow winning, but he is terrible, Trey Lance, don't forget. They're going to get desperate. Right. And don't forget. His window, like we talked about, was 10 to 12 weeks when he went down. And like you said, that's 10 to 12 weeks to be fully healed. Okay. You wait a month after that. Even if you give him a month of rehab, he's ready to go week 18 against the Cardinals. So it's not like, oh, he cleared his window and it's the divisional round. Like, no, he will have been healed for over a month at that point. So I... Well, he is. He's at that point. Right. Because... The the window that you were talking about is until he can put full weight on it. We've already seen videos where he's putting full weight on he's it. He's sprinting already. Right. So that tells you it's fully healed. It's just a matter of gaining strength, which that is a much, much, much more serious injury than Jimmy Garoppolo has. That injury, you got to regain a ton in that leg to be fully back. So it is possible, but it's also one that it wouldn't be surprising if it's not, if he's not ready. I should clarify. I've heard rumors that he's sprinting. I don't know for a fact. I let me let me be clear about that. But it's it's just not the same as Jimmy Garoppolo. That's my point. Now, yes, Trey is wildly inexperienced, and it would be absolutely insane to say, "Come on back for start number five in the playoffs." <laughs> like it would be weird. But you know what? I honestly think for Trey Lance, if he is brought back in that scenario, unless he's brought back in the next couple of weeks. Let's say he's healthy for week one of the playoffs and is activated. I don't think they're going to give him the starting gig. I think they frame it as he's here just in case, but we prefer not to have to go to him because the thing is, and Kyle actually touched on this today, the offense would change dramatically with Trey Lance. And you don't want to be doing that big of an install, changing things, trying to incorporate him into the offense more and play to his strengths. Whereas he said today, that the offense doesn't change a whole lot between Garoppolo and Purdy because they're pretty similar in terms of what they can do. Yeah, that's a so fair In point. my opinion, if Trey Lance is ready to go by the playoffs, you might activate him, but I would say, hey, he's he's not as fully back as we want. We wish he would have had a game or two. We'd have to change the offense for him. He's there just in case he is the backup, but we're going to stick with the guy that got us here because we don't have the capability of figuring things out in terms of what's going to work for Trey Lance. And maybe he, if that were the case, maybe he would go into sort of what we saw at the beginning of last year, right? Red zone packages, maybe a third down package, something like that. Although I think Niner fans would freak out if they brought back injured Trey Lance to then run the ball more, but we'll get, (laughs) but the crazy thing is, this is not even like, you might say, oh, it's unprecedented. You can't have a guy starting his fourth game or fifth game in the playoffs. Colin Kaepernick's seventh start ever was a playoff game. So, like, not only is this a precedented situation, it's precedented with this franchise, which is wild to think about. And we're only in this situation because this has been the craziest year. You've had a starting quarterback at hurt. Jimmy comes in. He gets hurt. Brock's in. Now Trey Lance is recovering. Like, you could not have scripted this to be like this. Nobody would have believed it. Well, in this scenario, 
anybody saying you can't bring back Trey Lance to start his fifth game ever in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs is going to be Purdy's sixth start ever. So it's not like there's a wild difference. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> there's only five games left in the season. Purdy has not started a game yet. God. Like, there's not a big difference there. So anybody that would say that, that that's one of those big neon signs. Oh, there's a Trey Lance hater because it makes no sense. The guy that he would be replacing is about to get his sixth start. Well, ever. you know what they would say, which is what everybody has said. Brock Purdy has started so many more games in college. He's got all this experience, which is all true, but he's still Brock freaking Purdy. Okay. And and I know that like there is this sort of secret group, not secret really, uh, very public, I should say, but there is this group of people that think that Brock Purdy is like Tom Brady. Like he's going to be the next guy. They were super pumped up when he got drafted and he's going to be so great. And I'll say is this, do I hope that's true? Absolutely. I've said many times on this show, I don't care where the good quarterbacking comes from, but I want it for my team. But I don't think that that's going to be what we see from Brock Purdy. I think we're going to see a guy who can play like a backup quarterback, move around a little bit, knows the offense, can hit some open guys, is not going to make any crazy wild throws, and that'll be fine. I just don't get this like... It's not like two anon. I, I got to come up with a better name for it. But there is a group out there that thinks that like we're on the cusp of greatness. So let's get into the Purdy thing, because I've seen you know the people who are much smarter than me break down his film, show some of the things, and for a guy playing in his first real game, yeah, it was impressive. You know, like he was able to recognize pre-snap blitz that a guy was going to be coming. You know, they that one got a lot of publicity that he told Kittle, hey break off your route a little shorter because I'm not going to have the time. You know, that's high-level stuff that, uh, if we're being honest, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the best at that. There were times Jimmy didn't do that. And then Jimmy would force the throw anyways, and then Kittle wouldn't be ready for it, and it would lead to an interception or something like that. Like, that's the times that Jimmy was bad, was when somebody was going to come unblocked, um, and he got pressure. So that's encouraging. But the question that caused Purdy to be so low on the draft still exists. Can he do more than Nick Mullins in terms of arm? What destroyed Nick Mullins was he was very limited on the things that he could throw. And once teams got film on it, they said, okay, we're taking away those. We're going to drop down. We're not going to cover the deep because we know you can't throw it more than 35 yards. (laughs) (laughs) And what that did was, okay, there's no room to throw anymore for Nick Mullins. And that's why Nick Mullins, went away. He had a very promising start because defenses didn't have the film. They didn't know exactly what to do. He had a couple lucky throws where, you know, George Kittle broke it off for 70 yards. He caught the the ball without looking at it. (laughs) Right. Skewed some things. Um, But that's what happened is that people knew, okay, we don't have to defend these routes because he doesn't have the arm strength for it. So we're going to cheat because there's no risk of getting burnt. Can Purdy hit the deep ball? And I'm not talking about hit Josh Allen, 65 yard deep ball. Drew Brees couldn't throw those. The thing, Drew Brees was knocked down when he came out is he doesn't have arm strength and he's a little shorter. You know, Purdy's about his size, actually. But the thing Drew Brees could do is if it was 50 yards or under, he was the most accurate quarterback. Can Purdy hit 40 yards down the field accurately? If he can, defenses can't cheat. Because, you know, defenses don't start 40 yards down the field. So they're going to have to still play him honest, and that allows the rest of the field to stay open, the short things that we saw him excel at in this last game, but we did not see the deep ball from him. 
So that will be telling in the next couple of weeks. If we don't see that deep ball, we don't see a 15 yard out route that he hits with some, you know, gumption can still put a fastball in 15 yards. You know, there's a difference between being able to throw 60 yards arm strength and being able to throw a fastball 15 yards. Right. And that those, those are different throws. If he can still have a, a short, short throw that's fast to get into a tight window and still hit 40 yards down the field accurately, then the defenses have to play him completely honest. And yeah, he might be some kind of, you know, I'm not going to go Tom Brady level, but he could be somebody that proves to be an actually viable starting quarterback. First of all, I'm not shocked at all. The comparison you went with was Purdue guy, Drew Brees, Levin. I know how you get your Purdue references in. I've been seeing your tweets this week all about Purdue. It's more, it's more so that's what I know really well. Drew Brees cannot throw at 60 yards down the field. Agreed. But under 50 yards, he was as accurate as anybody's ever been. Well, that's all you need. I do think that Purdy is more mobile than Mullins. He does not look panicked when he needs to extend the play. That was the biggest thing that jumped out to me. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't have the Garoppolo happy feet. I feel like you can literally hear Jimmy's thoughts when he has to scramble and roll out like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Purdy's just like, all right, there was that third down play where he rolled to his right. And just very calmly, as soon as he released the ball, I was like, he's got a guy open because he threw a nice soft lob and you don't throw it like that when you're on the run unless you got a guy wide open. He just looked very calm and poised. And I really like this from Kyle Shanahan. Listen to Kyle's comment on Purdy from his press conference yesterday. Yeah, I like when a play's there that guys aren't scared to make it. You know, they don't hesitate. They don't take a second look at it. They, they let it rip and they worry about it after. Um, a lot of guys who just guess do that too. So you got to find out um, whether they're being aggressive or just if they're deciding then to do it or if they're deciding on Wednesday. And then that's a big difference. So, um, but Brock has been very good with it. He can explain what he sees and that's why we got a lot of confidence in him. Do you think he was throwing shade at Jimmy or do you think he was just throwing a nice compliment to Brock? Nah, I don't think it had anything to do with Jimmy. He's just saying that, yeah, this kid not only made the right decisions, but he can explain why they were the right decisions. Basically, I, I kept thinking he was going to say it and phrase it this way, but he didn't. But what he's saying is, did a guy get lucky in one game? Right. Or does he actually understand what he's doing? You know, sometimes it, you got a math question, you get the right answer out of sheer luck. You had no idea what you were doing when you were <laughs> trying to get the right answer. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you get the right answer, but you don't understand why you got the right answer. Or what he's saying is Purdy understands why he got the right answer, which by the way, is not an insignificant thing because there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league right now that couldn't do that. Or the opposite is true. You throw an interception, but at least you can explain to Kyle, here's why I thought this throw would work. Here's the coverage I saw, you know, the other it works the other way too you can't fix your mistakes if you don't understand why they happened so we'll see what brock is um the, i don't like that he's got to face todd bowles this week i'll tell you i'll say that todd bowles is a very good defensive mind in the league the buccaneers i know that they're not you know the super bowl champion buccaneers that we saw a couple of years ago this defense is still very good and they are going to blitz if you think defenses are cheating to play jimmy garoppolo just wait till you see how they play Brock Purdy on Sunday. It will be interesting to see, you know, he recognized that one with Kittle that we already talked about. Is he going to recognize when teams bluff and then come from somewhere else? You know what I mean? They show this early and then a couple seconds before the snap, they back off and they show this instead. Is he going to recognize that? 
And I do think that it's important to note that other than Trent Williams, and I guess you could say McGlinchey, he's got a pretty inexperienced interior O-line that they might not pick up on it themselves. Like that's something that is going to fall on him more than it would if he had a very experienced offensive line. I was listening to, I think it was Haberman and Middlecoff, and they brought out the point, I can't remember who it was, and I apologize to those guys, but it was one of them, that basically Miami just went crazy blitzing Brock. And yeah, that can be scary for a young quarterback, but one thing it also does is it kind of eliminates sort of any kind of decision-making process that you have, right? Because it's just like, oh. If you recognize the blitz. Right. That's the key. It's just like, oh, blitz, here's where I got to go with the ball. So it's it's all just basically like reacting. It's not deciphering coverage like what you were talking about it's not having to figure out all that stuff oh they're showing cover two pre-snap now it's something else after the ball is hiked this safety is rotating all of that stuff he's essentially not really having to deal with that because it's just like ah crap blitz boom get the ball out and he did a good job of that um so it'll be i think that's really if i were going to try and confuse brock purdy that's what i would do i wouldn't just send the house all the time i would try to make him decipher the coverage Right. Bluff some blitzes, have guys that look like they're about to blitz and instead they drop into coverage might lead to an interception where he didn't expect a guy to be there. There's a there's a lot of things that they're going to want to try to do. Now, what we see from most backup level quarterbacks and what we see from young quarterbacks is uh, they don't do well against the blitz because they don't, don't do well under pressure because they're rushed. So it's not surprising that that's what Miami wanted to do, and it won't be surprising when Tampa comes out probably with the same strategy. See what the young kid can do when there's a guy coming at his face, when he's staring down the barrel of a 300-pound guy about to hit him. You know what I mean? Like That is a big, big thing that uh, differentiates the great quarterbacks from the not good ones. It's what they do against the blitz. I think that's going to be a key too. like is Kyle. If I were him, I would go into it with like two game plans, right? If they're going to blitz the hell out of us, here are your answers. If they're not going to blitz all of us, here are your answers. And Kyle's very good at figuring out how to beat you once he knows what you're doing. But we have to see for sure what they're going to do when they actually play the game. Now, the nightmare scenario is the Niners get down, they're forced to pass, and the defense is able to just tee off. Right. Game script, of course. And then that was something that Purdy didn't really have to deal with because they led the entire way. So that's a key factor, too. Right. It's easy. It's easier. I should say I don't want to say easy, easier to look calm and composed and poised when you know, hey, we still got the lead. On the flip side of the ball, I do like the matchup with Tom Brady. Yes, obviously, he's as smart as a quarterback as there is the best of recognizing coverage, whatever you want to say. But he is not getting away from any pass rusher. If somebody gets through, they're going to catch him. We don't don't have the Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Well, the defensive lineman beat him, but the quarterback's just more athletic. And the Niners, I like their ability because of all the uh, offensive line injuries for Tampa. I like their ability to get, get home with only four guys. So I think Brady's going to have a hard time because they're going to be able to drop seven guys into coverage. What I do expect, and I put this out on Twitter, is, you know, Tom Brady's not dumb. The great quarterbacks do this. Peyton Manning probably did it uh, more than any other quarterback in NFL history. If there is a weak spot on your defense, they will pick on it over and over and over again. 
the key to stopping Tampa Bay offense will fall on Lenore because oh that's what I expect Brady to do. They're going to, he's going to be matched up with Evans or Godwin or Julio Jones on the outside. And they're going to do quick routes where Brady doesn't have to hold on to the ball. And Brady's just going to trust his guys, which they are bigger receivers to begin with winning that one-on-one matchup. And if they don't win it, at least not allowing an interception. And that's what it's going to be over and over and over again. And it's going to be frustrating as hell if Lenore has a back game. Julio Jones doesn't do anything quick, so I wouldn't be worried about that one well. particularly. Um, but I agree. Like, it, it's potentially a Brian Allen situation where Brady's just going to be like, or if Lenore gets hurt and Womack has to come into the game, he's going to be mm-hmm. like, whoop, we got a new guy there. Let's go. You know, like, that is definitely going to be a factor. That's why I'm so, so happy that Eric Armstead is back and playing well. Uh, he was limited yesterday, I believe, but Kyle said that basically he didn't have any additional problems from the game. He came through the game okay. They're just trying to be right. smart with him. I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw Nick Bosa get three sacks when Eric Armstead was back in the middle of that defensive line. He is opening things up for Bosa. I think that is massive because the one way to disrupt Tom Brady is to get pressure up the middle because, like you said, he can't go anywhere, and Bosa is going to be flying around that edge So that is massive for the 49ers to have Eric Armstead back. And, you know, I don't want to see Boza just flying around the edge. Like you said, Brady is, you can look up the stats. When he has pressure up the middle, he is so much worse than pressure on the outside. We see Boza do stunts all the time where he goes to the inside because for a defensive end, he's as strong as they come. You know, he could play DT if he wanted, if he needed to. He is a big dude. So I would expect a lot of stunts where they're trying to get Boza coming on the inside because Brady can't do anything about that. He can't step up in the pocket like he could if Boza was coming on the outside. And you know D'Amico's going to, I mean, he like you said, he's been doing it already. He's going to move Bosa right. around. Bosa moves himself around also. Um, so there, there are opportunities there. But the secondary, like you said, could be an issue, you know, and this is something that kind of has gotten a lot of 49ers fans riled up. I don't really understand why, but... There are, we have the film of the game. The facts are the facts. The Dolphins had receivers wide open last week. Wide open. They didn't complete the passes. They didn't complete them. It still counts. There's no going back. There's no redoing. It doesn't take away from the 49ers defensive effort. But the point remains, there were vulnerabilities in the defense. Mike McDaniel found them. Other teams are going to see them and try and do the same thing. Can the 49ers shore that up a little bit well i think part of the situation was the niners were definitely playing a you're not going to get over the top on us you and know we saw did. it on that ward <laughs> on the right we saw it on the ward touchdown where hufanga came flying up left him out but what ward was doing was he was playing off coverage mm-hmm. on the outside to guarantee the guy couldn't get a, a deep go route to the corner and instead it was a post route and hufanga had abandoned ship that's on Hufanga, but that's how they were playing against other receivers, especially like there's no speed threat on this Tampa team. That's part of their problem is they don't have a speed receiver. Um, He's going to be able to play a little more honest. He's not going to have to be there like we've seen him all season. Ward is normally right in the guy's grill when he's defending. So I, I expect more of that. And I think that will take away some of the openings that you saw because I think they were leaving the middle like 15 yards down the field, a little open because they were so uh, scared of allowing that huge over-the-top play. 
So that will help. But I also just, like I said, these receivers are not fast. They are big, but they're not fast. And I think that's part of the reason Tampa's been struggling so much this year is their run game is not good. Yep. And their their passing game doesn't scare you over the top. You know, you, you, you can play a little dishonest against them because Evans is not fast, never has been. Godwin, he's he's not slow, but he's not fast. You know, he's just a good all-around receiver, and Julio's not Julio anymore. So you're able to play them very honest, and I think that is something they've struggled with is that there's no weakness that they can attack and because defenses don't have to worry about the run game against them. By the way, Miami's been doing that against everybody because that's happened to everybody. They're worried about the speed. They stretch the field, and it opens things underneath. That's the benefit of having the speed. Like, So I, I don't know why 49er fans can't accept the fact that, yeah, Miami – dropped some open passes, and also the 49ers had a dominant defensive performance. Tua just sucked. There were plenty, like, I don't, I couldn't even tell you how many times Tua went to throw, and the camera, you know, panned out to where you could see the receiver, and I went, oh, crap, he's open. And then the pass was five yards away from the receiver. It was like, what the hell was that? Without pressure. And actually, Rich yeah, Madrid. Like, something was messed up with Tua in that game. Rich Madrid tweeted out, uh, literally nine plays where Tua has guys that are open, if not wide open, then just, you know, clearly open without pressure in his face. And he just doesn't make a good throw. Now, if you want to say all of that was because he was so worried about the Niner pass rush, like, okay, if that makes you feel better. But it again, like, it doesn't matter. The Niners won the game by a lot. Who cares if Miami had some drops? There's too much of that going around in the freaking football fandom. Well, yeah, we'll worry about it again if they play in the Super Bowl. Right, like, oh, well, this should have happened, or this didn't happen, or this would have happened. Like, no, you get to play the game once, and whatever happens, happens, and the 49ers kick the tar out of the Dolphins, period, end of sentence, full stop. Yes, you're saying this to a fan base that still says if they called the holding holding on Boza, they don't get that long pass in the Super Bowl and the Niners win. Well, I think we both know that's just objectively <laughs> true. That much is clear. Um. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they're not going to – I don't think that Tampa's going to expose the Niners' vulnerabilities the way that Miami did. If Tampa can win, it's because Purdy didn't do well yeah. and the offense was crap. It, it's not going to be Tampa put up 30-plus points. I did see a graphic, which I kind of, like, made me smile a little bit. And it was at the beginning of the game against Miami. The did you just now see this graphic? No. So this is what you were smiling at 10 seconds ago while I was talking? No, I got a, just a text from a college buddy. That's actually, <laughs> honestly, it was so funny. If I wasn't doing this show, I would have like peed my pants cackling. But now I'm doing the show. So I'm professional, which, I mean, nobody would have known that if you didn't bring it up. A professional doesn't look at their phone while recording. Look, sometimes about? news can break, man. I'm looking out <laughs> for the show, okay? What if it was Jimmy Garoppolo is is back now or retiring or whatever? Who knows what it could be with this damn team? <laughs> you know, I, I just remember this. So while we're on the topic of funny, have you ever seen me, myself, and Irene? I have. You know the scene where he's trying to put the cow out of its misery and he just can't get it to die? Yes. That's Jimmy Garoppolo in his 49ers <laughs> career. <laughs> Every time you think it's over, he moves again. <laughs> you go, oh, maybe he's coming back. <laughs> Every time you think it's over, he moves again. This is the high-level analysis. You And you said it wasn't going to be a good show. No, the graphic that they showed at the beginning of the Dolphins game was the first seven games of the year, 
the Niners passed it 55% of the time and ran it 45% of the time in the first half. But in the last four games of the year, the Niners have started passing way more. The last four games, the Niners are passing on 64% of plays in the first half this year. Kyle has realized that the run game has not been able to get going in the way that it, he would like it to go. And he has adapted. He's evolved. And I hope he sticks with it, even though it's Brock Purdy, because I think that's the, the best path to victory. Right. He would rather get the screen to Debo or the slant to somebody else and get three or four yards cheap and easy on a pass play than try to run it and get stuffed. And now you're looking at second and 10 and you're behind the eight ball. Like, that's what they've been doing. If you look at a lot of their first down passes, they're not deep passes. It's very rarely past the sticks. Mm -hmm. It's almost always 10 yards or under. But it's a safe, reliable pass that has a very high chance of being caught that then puts them in a favorable second and six or less. There was a next-gen stat that I'm trying to look up really quick that basically said exactly that. Like, Brock Purdy was not throwing the ball deep down the field because... Kyle was just trying to get out of there with a win, man. They had a lead. They didn't want him to screw it up, and it worked, and I think it can still work. Uh, I mean, he had 37 pass attempts, which is which is a lot. Brock Purdy. Kind of surpri it's surprising because you would have thought, you know, old Kyle, I think, <laughs> would have. Three years ago, Kyle would have said, okay, we're running 50 times, and if we lose, we lose. Brock Purdy's intended air yard, his average intended air yards was 5.3. And his average completed air yards was 3.5. That was fifth fewest. So clearly he wasn't asking him to do much. But guess what? It worked. They got down the field when they needed to go down the field. They took a lot of time off the clock. They got field goals when they needed to get field goals and a couple of touchdowns too. I agree. Pass it, Kyle. Pass it on first down. Maybe pass it on second down. Do not turtle up. Now is not the time to revert to old Kyle. I want new evolved hip Kyle Shanahan on Sunday. By the way, uh, what's been around for the last four games in full? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's the difference. They go, okay, we're not going to run the ball, but we're going to see what we can get in the pass game, and if nothing's there, we're going to dump it to Christian McCaffrey, and he'll get us three, four, five yards. And he pretty much it's does. Not a bad strategy. Yeah, it, He's been a first down machine for this team. It's crazy. Did you think, honestly, like, that he would be this impactful with the team when they made the trade? Because I thought he would be a very good addition, but I figured, well, you know, they've got other running backs. Like, I didn't think it was going to be this. He is a massively important part of this offense. Uh, Yeah, I did, because <laughs> he's the easy safety valve. Like I said, when they first made the trade, when I was talking to you, I said that if Jimmy learns to do the check down to him, that's going to be available a lot, and that dramatically changes the uh, floor for Jimmy Garoppolo because instead of the late throws over the middle for interceptions, he's just going to dump it to Christian McCaffrey. And that's what we've seen. And if Purdy can keep doing that, it makes the floor very low. Great. Keep it up, man. Like, And I said this multiple times since the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. I feel like it's house money, man. Whatever happens the rest of the way. Like, if Brock Purdy throws four interceptions on Sunday, am I going to be ripping mad? No. No, it's not the same as Jimmy Garoppolo, guy who's been in the offense for five, six years, throwing four interceptions. It's just not. Like, you have to take the fact that we are eight and four. 
with the Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback who's going to make NFL history by being the first Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to ever start a game in the history of the common draft era, which goes all the way back to 1967, and just see if we can figure it out. Yeah. I mean, expectations matter. And the expectations for Purdy should not be the same as the expectations for a guy that set the record for most money average per year in a quarterback contract when he signed it. Like, there's a mile of difference there in terms of expectations. One more point on Brock I want to make before we go. If I were him, once a game for the entire rest of the regular season, I would do one YOLO throw a game. And maybe you make it on the first drive or the first quarter just so you can sort of minimize the damage if it is intercepted. But like, I feel like you have nothing to lose, right? He's a seventh round draft pick. His spot on the roster is not guaranteed next season. Even if he never played, like they, he could get cut because anytime they want to take a risk on a receiver or defensive lineman or whatever, they're going to be like, sorry, Brock Purdy. Like, no, our third string quarterback is not that important. If I were him, I'd be like, you know what? Everybody's watching me right now. The Niners are watching me. Every other team in the league is watching me. I don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback here next year. Could be Trey Lance. Could be Jimmy Garoppolo. Could be Tom Brady, for all I know. If I were him, I would make one YOLO throw a start. F*** it. Throw it down the field. Maybe some shit happens, and all of a sudden, I open some eyes. All I can say is I would be perfectly fine if once a half they say, you're getting this deep route. You're going to throw it to that deep route no matter what. Yep. And if it's not there, if it's double covered, whatever, purposely overthrow it to where nobody can catch it or throw it out of, throw it in the vicinity, but out of bounds so that nobody can get it. It's not an interception, but that deep route keeps the defense honest. Right. You know, I don't, I don't care if he's terrible at the deep ball. They know it. He can't really throw it, but three games from now, he's 0 for 12 on passes over 25 yards because they said a couple times a game, we're going to throw it no matter what. So the defense doesn't cheat down. Yeah, I have. Because no by the problem. way, cheating down j doesn't just hurt the passing game. Cheating down makes guys fill up the running running lanes that much easier too. Yeah, I would tell them touchdown or overthrow. That's what we want. I don't care if you overthrow it by fifty. Although the underthrows do tend to get pass interference, but that's neither here nor there. All right. First of all, are you going to join us for the instant reacts this week? Or are you going to bail for like the eighth week in a row? You're bailing, aren't you? Uh, I will join before I get fired. <laughs> all right good that's good and did you hear all the nice stuff that kyle shanahan was saying about tom brady in the press conference today he's the greatest quarterback ever he's throwing it better now than he did when he was in his 20s he never stops playing quarterback blah 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 i think kyle's trying to smooth brady over because he knows he ticked him off when he didn't sign him after the 2019 season i think he's trying to you know repair some burnt bridges there because it's very possible that Tom Brady is the quarterback of this team in 2023. No, <laughs> no, you don't think that's possible or no, you don't. I just, I don't want this stupid topic. If you want to talk about it in the off season, fine. But during the season, I don't give two about Tom Brady <laughs> potentially being with the 49ers. Like get it out of here. We're eight and four. Like, I know why you brought it up. I understand I just don't want to hear it. I am so sick of this crap holding in the middle of the season. This is an off-season topic. Like, yes, I do believe Kyle said those things to keep the door open. 
Not that he necessarily believes it's possible, but if it becomes possible, he wants that to at least be an option. So the short answer is you're 100% right, Rob. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, sure. <laughs> the groundwork for these things does get laid ahead of time. And these things don't just happen out of the blue, right? It's a, it's a road. You got to pave the road every step of the way. I think that's what Kyle's doing. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, he had his chance and he said, no, you're f-ing old. <laughs> and Tom Brady went to Tampa. So, like, eh, like we, we know what you thought of Tom Brady three years ago. You think that's changed? Well, that's why he said he's throwing the ball better now than he did when he was in his 20s. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about here. He's trying to he's trying to fluff up Brady a little bit. Yeah. Like I I get it, but I'm I don't know. Maybe it's you can call it denial if you want, but I don't want a 46-year-old Tom Brady. And I certainly don't want it at the expense of, oh well, Trey Lance just goes to the trash heap. We right. don't care what he could turn into. I agree. We're not going to give it a chance at all. I would rather see what Trey can do than than card out 46-year-old Tom Brady. On that, we agree. Final score prediction? Uh, I do think it's going to be pretty low scoring. Yes. Uh, I do not see Tampa getting to 20. The only – unless they – I mean, they've been getting these miracle wins. <laughs> like last where They week. play like crap. They play like crap. They play like crap. Oh, final two minutes? I guess we'll get two touchdowns somehow. Like, but I just, I, I see, I see them at being under 20. I do think it's going to be close because neither team can score enough to pull away and make it, you know, something that you stop stressing about. Uh, I'll go Niners uh, 24 to 17. Yeah. The over under on the game is 37. That's incredibly low. I just picked the over. Well, apparently 41. I'm just letting people know what the, what the over under is. Uh, I'm going to take the Niners. <sighs> 2017 although that's the one thing you can't do if you're san francisco do not let this game be close at the end because brady will friggin find a way as we just saw Yeah, maybe hopefully it's 20 to 10 and they get like yes. a touchdown with 30 seconds exactly that's the kind of thing that we need it looks like a close one score game but in the end we're saying oh the 49ers dominated and then we'll be nine and four going into uh, another bit i mean the, the schedule for the niners these next few weeks are going to determine a lot yeah like I mean, in all honesty, this game, yeah, you want to win it. But if they can beat Seattle in two weeks, that almost locks up the division. Because that they're up a game right now. Yep. Winning that means it's two games. They're going to win the tiebreakers. So that means it's essentially a three-game lead. Like, that that pretty much puts it it's over. to bed. Yeah, it's yeah. over at that point. So we will find out. Luckily, the Bucks are coming in on a short week. So I like that. Uh, long travel. Short week with a long flight. Yep. Uh, how's that doing on your 45-year-old bones, Tommy? We'll find out. Levin, thank you very much. Again, everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We haven't gotten a review in a long time. That hurts my feelings, people. Come on. If you want to support the pod, the reviews are a big deal. They really, really help us. And I promise you, if you leave one, even if you tell us we stink and Levin's hair is ridiculous, I'll read it on the show. With glee, I will read it on the show. Yeah, don't do it for Rob's feelings because nobody gives a shit about those. <laughs> do it for the podcast. Are you just trying to get as many swears into this thing as possible tonight? Maybe. I have a like a running list. So far, I think we're at like eight or ten. Hey, you you said a few yourself. That's true. So. Other than the Grant Cohn podcast, this is our filthiest episode, I think. 
And then, like you said, f*** it. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Make it go sleep.